If you're not a Christian and you're wondering why you should listen to what I'm going to say, we're going to hear about God and what he's like. We're going to hear about this world and need that it has. We're going to hear about things that have happened in history, not just ideas, but evidence. There's some reasons to listen. If you are a Christian, then you're part of the church of the Lord Jesus. And I hope you're concerned about what the church should be and what the church should do. And we're in a series going through a vision for Hollywell Church. It's a bit different from the sort of thing we normally hear on a Sunday morning, a bit different from how we normally do things. But we're in a series, what's our vision as a church? And can we get it up on the screen and see some? The church should be looking up, that is depending on God, worshipping God, doing everything for the glory of God. The church should also be reaching out. And we heard about that last week. We'll come on later to coming closer, but we heard about reaching out. We should be making known the good news of Jesus Christ. And last time we heard we should make known the good news of Jesus because he's king of everyone, everywhere. And we heard that his kingdom is is spread by people whose lives display him. The Bible's big emphasis is the character of his people being a display of Jesus. And then there are words explaining what that display is supposed to show. And that must be our big emphasis because that's the Bible's big emphasis. Christians whose character displays Jesus to the world. But it's not the only way that the good news of Jesus is made known. So this morning we're going to do some more on reaching out. How should we be a church that is reaching out? Now, it's going to be different from normal because normally we take one part of the Bible and work through it. Well, this time we're going to be in many different parts. And we're not going to dive deep into any one part. This morning is more about synthesising. That is putting together different places and seeing the whole. And we're going to do it in two sections. First of all, God's plan. And then God's method, his method for executing that plan. So let's start with God's plan. What is God's plan for the world? We're told many times across the Bible, God's plan. I'm going to take three places and give us a little taste, a little taste of his plan. Let's start in Genesis 12. If you've got a Bible, would you take me to Genesis 12? Or you could just listen if you want. And I'll read you verses 1 to 3. Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a really important part of the Bible. After the world had gone wrong, after a whole load of just repeated bad news, we at last in Genesis 12 get some good news. And God makes a promise. He makes clear his plan. He takes this man, Abraham, and he's got a plan for the world through him. And the plan includes the end of verse 3. All peoples on earth 
will be blessed through you. God's plan is to bless all peoples on earth. Now, let's think about this word bless, because we use it quite a lot and we've probably all got a vague idea what it means. What does the word bless mean? The word used here for bless is closely connected to the word for happy. Blessing is connected to happiness. The word bless means God pouring out good gifts, God being generous to people and pouring out good gifts on them. Okay, put that together and you get God's plan for the world is to be generous to certain people for their happiness. He's going to pour out good gifts on certain people that should make them happy. Now, I said certain people. Who? Who is God going to do this for? Well, verse 3 says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's have a think about, about that word peoples more closely. Let's have an English lesson. Let's have an English lesson. You can answer out loud if you like. Children, will you dare to answer up? Very simple English lesson. What is the plural of car? Come on, be brave, everyone, and answer up. What's the plural of car? Cars. No catch, was there? What's the plural of child? Children. No catch there. What's the plural of sheep? Okay, a little bit of a catch there. What's the plural of people? Yeah, that's a bit of a funny one, isn't it, that one? There was a bit of a catch there, because people is the plural of person, isn't it? You've got person singular, people plural. Why does it say peoples with an S in your Bible? Why doesn't it just say all people? I'm going to, loads of people across the world are going to be blessed. It says peoples. Because it means people groups. Or what we might call ethnic groups. You see, God's plan is blessing for all the ethnic groups on earth. Every single ethnic group on earth to be blessed. What a big plan. What an amazing and a good plan. But it started so small. Children, have you ever camped in a tent? Yes, it's fun for a few days. You fancy living in a tent. Yeah, imagine a man living in a tent. Abraham was a man living in a tent. Now, admittedly, he probably had a really big tent because he was a rich man. But he's still one man living in a tent. He doesn't even have any children at this point, and he's very old, and he doesn't own any land. He's a traveller, and he just lives wherever he can pitch his tent. And God says to him, I am going to bless every ethnic group in the world through you. (laughs) This sounds mad. What a crazy claim. But here we are today hearing it. People who are English and Romanian and Chinese and Ghanaian and Korean and Nigerian and Indian. And sorry if I've missed you out because there's a lot of ethnic groups here, aren't there? It's come true. Because this is the word of the God who made the world. Let's see it again in a different place. Let's turn forward to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Let's just read verse 4. In fact, let's just read the first part of verse 4. We read the whole psalm at the beginning. I hope you remember. Psalm 67, verse 4. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. What is God's plan? It is joy 
for the nations. It is for the nations of the earth to be so joyful that they burst out in joyful praise, that they sing, that they lift up their voices. That's God's plan for all the nations. I hope you see it's very similar to what we read in Genesis 12. And there's another similarity. It starts so small it looks ridiculous. Imagine a nation the size of Wales. What do you think of Wales? A nice place to go on holiday. It's not exactly a world superpower, is it? It's not exactly a major nation. Israel was about the size of Wales. And God says to them, my plan is that through little Israel, all nations will be made joyful. Sounds mad. What a crazy claim. But we're hearing it today in the nation of the United Kingdom, thousands of miles from Israel. It's come true because it's the word of God who made the world. Let's see it in a third place. It's the same thing again. You just get the same thing across the Bible. And it's Matthew 24. So into the New Testament, the new and the old fit together. It's the same plan across them both. Matthew 24, verse 14. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom was preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Here is Jesus talking about what will happen after he's returned to heaven. And he summarises all of history from that point onwards as, let me read it to you again so you get it, because it's an amazing verse, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Gospel preached. What does gospel mean? It means good news. Yeah, that's right. Good news. God's plan is good news for the whole world. Good news for all nations. Do you see the link? It all fits together. All nations. Why does the world keep going round? Well, you might say something to do with gravity. You might say, well, the, the sun hasn't yet died and that will bring it all to an end. You might say, well, we haven't been hit by a massive meteor that that wipes everything out. You might say, well, silly question. It just does. It just does keep going. No. Jesus says the world is still going because there are more nations. By the way, the word is ethnic groups. Don't think UK, USA and so on. It's ethnic groups. There are more ethnic groups yet to hear the good news. That's why the world's still going. When all ethnic groups have heard the good news of Jesus, then the world will be brought to an end. That's the whole reason the world is still going. An ex-carpenter in the ancient city of Jerusalem claimed that all of history is about the world hearing his good news and the world will come to a stop when, when that's been completed. It sounds crazy. What a mad claim. And here we are in Loughborough that didn't even exist back then, and we're hearing it. It's come true because that man, Jesus, was more than an ex-carpenter. Much more than an ex-carpenter. Let's think about how it's come true. Back in Genesis 12, God said he'd bless all peoples through Abraham. 
But if we had read on in Genesis 12, we'd find it wasn't Abraham himself. Of course not. It was someone who would come from Abraham. It was a descendant of Abraham. He's called the seed of Abraham. And Jesus is that promised seed. You may have spotted if you took notice of Psalm 67 that joy to all the nations would come through God's salvation being made known. What is that salvation? Jesus dying so we can be saved. Salvation means saved from our sins. Jesus coming, dying and rising so we can be forgiven, welcomed by God, loved by him, in his family. And that's reason for joy for all the nations. If you're not a Christian, God's plan is to offer this to you. That's God's plan. It's big, it's worldwide, but it's also personal. And it's to offer this to you. He's a good God. I said, I said this morning, you'll hear something about what God is like. Have you heard? What a good God. His plan is blessing, joy and good news for all the world. And he's offering it to you and he's saying, will you trust Jesus and turn from living your way to living his and receive this blessing, joy and good news even now? If you are a Christian, what's your part in God's plan? Well, let's move on now to the second half. So the first half this morning was... God's plan. The second half is God's method. How does the blessing, joy and good news get to all the ethnic groups? How is it spread across all the world? Well, if we put together what we find in the New Testament, we find there are three ways. I think that there's a... Let's see. That's the one. Good. That's it. Now, You might find other ways in the New Testament, but I think that basically I've tried to think through what's going on in the New Testament. How is the good news spread? And it seems to me it all comes under three categories. Children, have you done a Venn diagram at school? This is not a Venn diagram. It is not supposed to show where these overlap and where they don't overlap. It's supposed to show that these three are not to be separated. These three are interlinked. And it's supposed to show that the church is at the centre of them. So as part of us seeing our vision for Hollywell, how do we reach out? I want us to see how it's done in the Bible and see the church is at the centre of them. That's the plan. So let's go through them and we're going to speed up as we go along. Let's start with evangelists. Evangelists. I'll read to you from Ephesians 4. And you could or just listen. It's one verse. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Jesus has given people called evangelists. What are they? They're people who are gifted and called by God to speak his good news. To proactively go and tell the good news of Jesus to new people who've not heard it before. To push, to use the language of last week, if you remember last week's sermon, to push the frontiers of the kingdom of Jesus out. 
to reach new people with the message that they speak. Evangelists are speakers of the good news. And they arise in the church. I said my aim is to show the church is central to God's plan. They arise in the church. Ephesians 4 is about the church and it's saying what Jesus has done for the church. He's given the church evangelists. Here's an example. In Acts 6, the church in Jerusalem had a problem. And they needed to look for godly people who could feed the needy widows in the church who weren't getting fed. So they they had an issue within the church and they looked for godly people and they chose seven. People filled with the Holy Spirit. People with godly character. Their job was to feed the widows. But... Even before the chapter has ended and on into the next, the very next two chapters, you find two of those people outside the church speaking the good news of Jesus to unbelievers. Their names were Philip and Stephen. Now, if, if we've taken in last week's message, it shouldn't really surprise us. The key to evangelism is godly character and godly character will spill out of the church and be displayed to the world. Evangelists arise in the church. They're a gift of Jesus to the church. Two responses to that. I'm I'm hoping this morning to drop in application as we go along. Here's two responses. One is pray for Jesus to raise up more. Do you pray that? There are loads of things you can pray, but that is a prayer Jesus has actually told us to pray. That is a prayer Jesus has commanded that we should pray. So when you pray that, you can know you are praying in line with God's will. Because Jesus said, pray for more evangelists to be raised up. Here's a second response. Consider if God wants you to be an evangelist. Every Christian should ask themselves that question. Does God want me to devote myself to speaking his good news, to be one of those people who goes out and pushes the frontier of his kingdom, who brings the good news to new people. Every Christian should ask themselves that question, even if for most the answer is actually get a job, raise a family, be a witness to the people where God's already put you. For most of us, that's probably the answer. But all of us should ask the question. And if God's answer is stick where you are, I expect he will, along with that, give us a desire to spread the gospel where we are and display Jesus. Evangelists arise in the church. They also need the church. Who's the most obvious evangelist in the Bible? I'd say it's the Apostle Paul. Now, someone might be clever and say it's Jesus, and you'd be right. But the Apostle Paul's the most obvious one. And he wrote to churches and he said, please pray for me. I need you to pray for me. He said, please give to me. I want us to be partners in the work of the gospel. And he said, that's not just money. Let's spend time together and be an encouragement to each other. Well, there's a lesson for us. We have gospel workers we support. Malcolm and Ruth in Latvia. Phil and Kate with Bible translation. Andy and Tatiana in Ukraine. And others too. Let's make sure we're praying for, giving to, and encouraging them. At the moment, we're working at trying to make our home groups a link to them. I think we're a church that's got a good ethos on that, but let's make sure it's worked at, continued, and improved. 
Evangelists arise in the church, they need the church, and they function as part of the church. Children, do you think hands are good things? Hands. Have you used your hands today? Yeah, of course you have, haven't you? I hope you've used them to brush your teeth and to eat your breakfast. And you used them to turn a handle on a door at some point, I'm sure, today. Hands are good things. Is a hand lying on its own on the floor any good? Oh, no. It needs to be connected to an arm. It needs a blood supply. It needs nerves connecting it to a brain. It needs to be connected to some feet so it can go somewhere and to some eyes so it can see what it's doing. And God said the church is like that. It's a body with all sorts of different parts that need each other. And an evangelist on his own is like a hand on its own lying on the floor. No good. No good. No. God hasn't made the church to be like that. So, for example, Michael Otts is an evangelist. And last September, he was able to speak the gospel to a lot of people, but not on his own. No. It needed people here at Hollywell who organised the event where he spoke. And it needed people who came up with ideas and people who set up activities and people who opened up and sorted out the building. And people who invited others along and people who made food and, well, there's a, those who were here know there's a lot more to it than that. A lot of people. The church acting as a body. Because evangelists can't do it on their own. There's a lesson there for us. There's all sorts of lessons, but here's one. Not everyone is a bold, eloquent speaker. And that doesn't matter. In fact, it's a good thing. It would be chaos if we all were. It would be probably pretty annoying. Because God's plan is the church to be a body with different parts together, bringing his blessing, joy and good news to the world around us. Now, do you remember the three interlinked circles? We spent most time on the first one. I'll speed up now. Well, I think I will. I don't know. The middle one, the church. The church. I've been showing the church is central to the role of evangelists, but the church has its own role as well. I'll read to you from 1 Peter chapter 2. Turn to it if you want. I guess it might come up on the screen. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is a description of the church. And it says the church declares the praises of God. Now, the language there has got a rich Old Testament background. The language there was used in the Old Testament for... Evangelism, spreading the good news of God to the world. But it was also used for worship. God's people getting together to worship him. The fact that there are people who want to meet together to worship God. The fact that that is happening here and and in other places in Loughborough and across the world is a witness to the world. Especially when unbelievers come in. And they see it and they hear about sin and the saviour and salvation. Now, there's a lesson there. Value gathering together to worship God. 
Sometimes people say, oh, this church is so focused on meetings. It's just another meeting. No, it's not just another meeting. It says to the world, there are people who think God is worth praising. There are people who've been brought out of darkness into his light and they want to praise him. And that is part of the witness of the spreading of good news to the world. I'll read you one more verse. One more verse. I think this is our last one. One. This again is about the church. We heard this a few weeks ago. 1 Timothy chapter 3. The church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is the pillar of the truth. Let's have a picture of a pillar. Have we got that, Philip? Picture of a pillar. Church is there's a pillar going to come up behind me, I hope. Wow, isn't that I find that amazing. Don't you find that amazing? It's so massive. It's called Christ the Redeemer and it stands over Rio de Janeiro. What, what, what an impressive pillar. What a bold statement it's making. It's making the statement Jesus is king over Rio de Janeiro. Jesus is the one who should get the attention here. It's an amazing pillar, making an amazing statement. But it's a dead pillar. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do that, but it's not the pillar God has said displays him to the world. It's a dead pillar. The pillar that God has appointed, according to 1 Timothy 3.15, is the church. And the church is to be a living pillar. Because the verse said, the church is the household of God. That means his family. And the church displays Jesus to the world by being a family. By our life together. Jesus said it. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Our life together as a church is supposed to display Jesus to the world. Our love for each other, our actually wanting to spend time together, our care for each other, our being the church being more than a meeting to attend, but people who are committed to each other and stick by each other, that is supposed to display Jesus to the world. Simple response, do we? Is that us? Have I just described you and me? Do you remember the three interlinked circles? Evangelists, the church and Christians. Uh, Christians, I'm going to say very little on this because it was the subject of last week. We heard the emphasis of the New Testament letters is us as Christians having a character like God. Having life that's like Jesus and that displaying him to the world. Reflecting Jesus to a dark world. And again, the church is central to this. Because Jesus said he is with his church. Jesus said where two or three, or however many we've got here, are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. He's with us. To reflect Jesus, we need to get to know Jesus. And to get to know Jesus, we'll spend time with his church, listening to his words, worshipping God in his presence. This is not supposed to be a solo occupation. We need each other. We need the church. 
so that we reflect Jesus to the world around us. It's a bit like this. Have you got in your garden or have you seen those little lamps? You can sort of stake them in the ground and they've got a solar panel on the top. And in the daytime, they soak in the sun. And then at night, they uh, emit light. Well, we're supposed to be rather like that. Solar paneled lights. And we come and we're supposed to be now soaking in Jesus, getting to know Jesus together as a church. And then in the week, we go out into a dark world and we should be shining his light. The good news gets to the world through evangelists and the church and individual Christians. And the church is central to it all. Now, that was a very quick overview of God's method for God's plan. What a good God we have. I hope you've seen that. What an amazing God we have. His plan is blessing and joy and good news for the whole world. Every ethnic group. And it's happening. Today, across the world, it is happening. And the local church is central to making it happen. We at Hollywell must play our part in that. Have you seen how? Have you seen things you should do in response? Will you play your part? Let's sing a song where we're encouraging and stirring each other up to do just that. We're going to sing, O Church.